you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to go to Matthew 6 and 10 and Luke 1, 38. Luke is Annabelle's favorite book of the Bible. Matthew 6 and 10, Luke 1 and 38. And um, this month, we've been focusing on prayer. And as we said, normally when we teach about prayer, we just tell you you need to do it and don't actually look at how to do it. And so we've been looking at um, a few different types of prayer and that people have prayed in the Bible and we're calling it famous prayers. And so um, we've looked at so far um, praying a prayer of repentance, um, David's Psalm 51, um, intercession, Moses' prayer for Israel in Exodus 32, Numbers 14. Uh, last Sunday we talked about praying a prayer of forgiveness, looking at Stephen's prayer um, that he prayed for his murderers in Acts 7. And, um, and then last Wednesday we talked about Job's prayer of trust and acceptance in Job 42. And so this one, we're, today we're going to look at Mary's um, prayer, I guess. Kind of a prayer slash conversation with Gabriel in Luke 1. So Matthew 6 and 10, Jesus is teaching about the, he's teaching his disciples how to pray. One of the things he says in the Lord's Prayer is, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then Luke 1, 38, this is where we're going to focus Mary's little um, response to what Gabriel tells her. And she says, Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. So let's pray once more. We're going to talk about praying a prayer of submission, which is everyone's favorite subject. Uh, so let's pray once more that God would speak to us and uh, use the word today to see what will be done. Jesus, hallelujah. God, we thank you again that uh, we've been able to gather together and, and worship you. And God, I pray that you would speak to us, God, through your word today. God, let your anointing continue to work and flow. I pray that you would anoint our ears and to hear in my mouth to, to say what needs to be said. And God, I pray that you would draw us closer to you this morning. In Jesus' name, God, let your will be done, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can... Sit, I guess. I was going to say, do jumping jacks. <laughs> um, I'm not going to spend, you know, on Wednesday we spent a lot of time setting up Job's story. I'm not going to spend a ton of time setting up this story, um, this prayer, partly because it's probably the most well-known story in the Bible, or one of them. But we have, just to recap, in case you're not familiar with the Christmas story, um, we have... Uh, a young lady named Mary, and she's engaged to a feller of indeterminate age named Joseph. We have no idea how old he is or anything like that, but um, they have yet to wed, but it's supposed to happen sometime. They're engaged. You know how engagements work. There's, it's supposed to happen. It's going to happen. And uh, Mary's got an older cousin. Her name is Elizabeth, and now Liz, she hasn't had children yet, and... Um, She's too old, too. She's past her... 
That's the wording. And Mary, <laughs> I don't know. She's, she's too old, the Bible says. And an angel shows up to her husband, Zacharias. He's, he's working in the temple. And the angel tells him that they're going to have a baby boy who's going to grow up to be the forerunner for the coming Messiah, which is incredible news. And this Zacharias, he wants a sign, you know, other than his wife growing. Um, and so the angel Gabriel tells Zacharias, he said, fine, you won't be able to speak until it happens. You want a sign? There you go. Here's, here's your sign. And lo, and behold, the man is speechless for over nine months, but that happens. And then six months or so after Gabriel shows up to Zacharias, he shows up to this young Bonnie lass named Mary. And we've pretty much covered the life out of this story in December, if you were here. And so hopefully you can remember most of it. But Gabriel, he shows up and he tells Mary that she's been chosen by God to bring the Messiah into the world. And says that she's going to have a baby and she's supposed to name him Jesus and all of that. And she has some questions about how that's going to work, seeing as she's never done the thing that results in babies being born before. And Gabriel tells her that God's going to take care of it and that this child will be called Holy and the Son of God. And he also tells her about Elizabeth and says that uh, with God, nothing is impossible. He says, we've got an old lady. They can't have children having children. And we've got <laughs> rowdy on virgins having babies now. Everything with God, he says, everything's possible. And this is a, a huge moment, a huge thing. And she's going to bring the Messiah into the world. She's going to bring the man who would die for her sins and for the sins of the world. She's going to be the one responsible for bearing this burden and this child. And along with that, no doubt will come some questions. And there's, there's going to be pain. There's going to be some difficult times. She's going to have to raise the Son of God. No one has ever done this before, and no one will ever do this again. Mary is alone in this. She's the only one that has any idea what this is like or going to be like. This is a lonely road that Mary is going to be embarking on. She is just a young girl waiting to be married to her fiancé. She's probably planning her wedding, and, and now everything's up in the air. Will Joseph still want to marry her? What will her family say? What will the neighbors say? How is she going to provide for a baby? Is this even happening? Am I dreaming <laughs> the whole thing? All kinds of questions, no doubt, circling in her mind like it would with any of us. And there's always questions when God uses you or when God's calling you. you know, how is this going to work out? Um, how will you have the finances to do the thing that God's calling you to do? When, what's going to, to happen? Um, there's always questions when you feel like God's calling you. But instead of voicing any questions other than how can this be, Mary accepts the word from God and she responds with one of the most incredible lines in this whole story. And that's what we're going to look at today. Mary prays, if you will. I know she's talking to Gabriel, but her heart's there. Uh, a prayer of submission. 
And uh, it's just a, a quick little response to what the angel tells her. And then she, she runs to Elizabeth's house, most likely to confirm that Gabriel was actually, you know, telling the truth. Because <laughs> she gets there and Elizabeth is, has grown a bit since the last time she saw her, then this is all true. So she runs to Elizabeth's house. But what does Mary pray or what does she say to Gabriel? She says, in verse 38, we read it. Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Just a short little thing. But there's such faith in that statement. There's such trust. And on Wednesday, we talked about Job's prayer. And this is very similar, but it's coming from a different place. Job was going through a, a terrible time and he needed to trust God and accept that God was God and he was not. And Mary's already there. And so this is the next step. She's, she's already accepted the roles and now she's submitting to the plan. And so to keep with our little theme, we've been every prayer we've been looking at, we've taken three points from it. And so we're going to take three from this simple statement she makes and see how we can apply them to our own lives. If that's fine with you, if it isn't, we're doing it anyway. So the first thing that Mary does in this conversation with Gabriel is she submits herself as a servant. She says, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. And it's one thing to pray and hear from God. It's one thing to hear a word from God and, you know, to be in a service um, where convictions flow in and it feels like God's calling us to do something or God is speaking to us about a certain thing. Um, that's a whole other thing to submit to that and give in to that. And submission is a misused word, I find, um, in church. It's something, and it's also something that the world shies away from because ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. And so we're kind of this awkward in-between, and we like, some people like to get up and preach about submission and tell everyone they need to listen to, to me, and that but they don't want to listen to anyone else. We saw how that happened with the whole rules and things. Um, and on the other end, no one, you know, so we got people like that who just got to do whatever you're told. On the other end, people, no one can tell them what to do. And somewhere in the middle is generally where we should be. And sometimes we can abuse this word and sometimes we can hear it and just because it's been so used. And, but simply defined, if we break the word submission up into its two parts, you've got some, We've got mission. Sub means not a sandwich, but under. Submarine. Sandwich. Sub. Zero. Below zero. So under. And mission, your goals, dreams, plans. So submission is putting our mission, our goals, our dreams, our plans under someone else's. And in this case, we're talking about God. Sometimes we have our own dreams, goals, plans for our lives. So submitting to God is putting ours under his and letting him do what he wants. Because if we're just agreeing, that's not submitting. It's generally when you don't agree or you don't know. Anyways, you okay with that definition? So even though, even though she was going to bring the Son of God into the world, she still saw herself as a handmaiden. And Mary, probably, if she's at a big point in her life, she's getting ready to get married, she's going to, you know, everything's going to change, and she's probably got some plans and maybe some goals, she's engaged, she's going to be married, she's going to have her own little home, and 
maybe hopefully have some children and raise them right. And you know, this is what her focus is on. And, and, um, but Mary, she heard the plan from, from Gabriel, from God, and she, she heard the call, if you will. And her response wasn't to try to figure everything out, to have all the details, and to have every question, every thought answered. Instead, she submits to God's plan. And there was a good chance that she could lose all of those other things. All of her other plans, all of her other dreams. There's a good chance that Joseph wouldn't want to marry her anymore. Or anyone would marry her for that matter, if this came out. There's a good chance that she would be giving up all that she had planned. And her response anyway was simply, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, or I am your servant. And no doubt, if we're being honest with our, ourselves, we, we've been in church for any amount of time. Um, we've been at this place once or twice. God's spirit is moving. He's speaking through his word. He's speaking through his spirit. There's conviction and God's doing a work and maybe we feel called or pulled in a direction from God. And maybe it's to, to ministry or maybe it's just a closer walk with Jesus or maybe it's to get baptized. Maybe it's to, to repent. Maybe it's to seek the Holy Ghost. Maybe it's to give something up or to sacrifice something. Maybe it's to pray a little more or to fast or to, to reach out and pray for someone in the building or someone outside or um, to pray for someone's situation. Maybe it's you know outside of church or, or maybe it's to share a word that God's given you with someone else to encourage someone or maybe to witness to a certain person at work. But there's something that God is calling and trying to get us to do. If we've ever been there. Has anyone ever been there? And we will gladly respond to that with, Behold, I am your servant. I want you to use me. I want you to do it. Or I'll do whatever you're asking me, Jesus. I'll do it. I'll go. I'll sacrifice. I'll give. I'll do it. But the thing is, a whole lot of times, when we get up from that prayer, and maybe that conviction lifts a little bit, and the real world hits, and we have to do the thing, we don't want to. Or maybe it's just me and personal experience speaking here and not making sense in my sentences. We don't want to do it. Or I don't want to do it. I don't really want to go to that place. I've told you before about Africa. We were like, we ain't going. We want you to go. I, I don't really want to go to that place. I don't really want, is it really necessary for me to give up that thing? Why was I just a little over zealous you know I, I like that thing that God's asking me to give is it, really, is it really hurting I can't really afford to give that much if I don't pray that prayer if I don't talk to that person is it really going to make a difference they're not going to be any worse off than they already are Nothing's really going to change. And we can talk ourselves out of that. We tend to like the idea of being a servant or being used by God, but the practical side of it, not so much. We like the appeal. We like the, the glitz, if there is any, and the glamour, the testimony, um, but not the test we have to go through to get it. We like to, we like to be, um, for example, the missionary overseas that sees hundreds and thousands of people with the Holy Ghost 
in a service. And, but we don't want to put that work in. We like to get our, our letters from the missionaries and get our numbers and wow, that's great. But we don't want to put that, that work in. We don't want to fast and pray and give up all the things we have to give up. And meanwhile, we've got people in the Bible like Mary and Peter and Paul and Barnabas and all of them and who literally gave up everything. We've got missionaries who've sacrificed family and time and being there for birthdays and celebrations and when their parents are in the hospital and they can't come home and, and sometimes comforts and reliable internet and power. <laughs> I'm giving up all of these things. And, or we've got local saints who will sacrifice and pray and teach you know, those Bible studies and work with people and be used in the gifts of the um, use a prayer and they get to the spirit and we can look at them sometimes and say why why not me why isn't it happening because God's called us and we're, I don't want to do the thing does this make any sense In Matthew 22 and 14 Jesus says for many are called but the few are chosen and it comes from this first step truly submitting to God and his will and God is calling and he's called probably everyone here to do something at one point in prayer but we need to respond like Mary. Mary said, I am your servant. And a servant has, in these days, a servant has no rights. They just do whatever they're told. A servant does not call the shots. A servant does not argue. A servant does not refuse whatever the master is asking them to do. They don't throw a fit and go on strike when they don't get their way. A servant doesn't skip out of work because they just can't even today. <laughs> they have to do it. And we want to be the ones that God uses, but we don't want to be the servants. And I got news for you. Honey, bunches of oats. It's not going to work that way. You cannot be a servant and call the shots. You cannot be the servant and argue when the master tells you to go or do. Or you're going to end up like Jonah. <laughs> you can't be a servant and refuse to do the work. You can't be a servant and throw a hissy fit because things aren't going your way. You can't be a servant and skip out on church or responsibilities or callings whenever you feel like it. Because that's not how it works. And what are we all striving to hear Jesus say in the end? Matthew 25 and 21. Well done, thou good and faithful. What? Servant. Been faithful over a few things. A servant is submitted completely. A servant takes their will and their goals and their desires and their plans and puts them under the masters. And until we're willing to do that, we will stay in the same place and God will find someone else. Who will? God's asking the same question he asked Isaiah today in Isaiah 6 and 8. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And Mary says pretty much the same thing. I'm your, I'm your handmaid and I'm your servant. Whatever, be it unto me according to your word. So the first thing, if we're going to pray a prayer of submission, we actually have to Submit. And the second thing, it goes right along with that. She says, be it unto me. She let it happen. And a lot of times we'll do the first step. We'll do it in prayer. We'll tell God, I'm your servant. But then he starts working and we fight it. And then, instead, Mary said, 
Be it unto me. In other words, let it happen. Whatever you said, let it happen. And this part is very similar to what Job prayed and how he accepted the roles. God's God and I'm not. And it's one thing to say, I'm your servant. It's another to live it. And sometimes we'll tell God, we'll do whatever he wants or we'll allow him to work in our lives. But when he starts, we don't like it. And we, nope, not happening today. And if you ask anyone who's been used by God, there's a time when you wonder if you're crazy and if this is supposed, if this is what you're supposed to be doing. I remember, I think I told you when we first went to Benin, we stepped off the plane and it was, it was dark. It was like eight o'clock and it was dark. And I was like, why is it dark? It's summer. But it's just the way the sun works when you're near the equator. I don't know. I only lived here. When the summer it's light. And they were like, why are you asking these questions? Because they're from Louisiana. I, mean, I guess it's like that there too. I don't know. I was like, it's eight. It shouldn't be dark. But anyways, it was, it was dark. And we stepped off the plane and that warm air hit us. Which isn't normal to me. And the smell, and if you've ever been there, I don't know if any of you have, but if you've ever been to West Africa, that's the only place I've been in Africa, but there's a smell. I don't, it's not good or bad, it's just different than here. If I had to describe it, smoke and, and dirt, like earth, I don't know. Everyone burns things, They're, they burn garbage. Sometimes I'll be... You know, on the trail here, and I'll smell garbage, and I'm like, people burning garbage, and I'm like, ah, Africa. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> and they burn, they cook over an open fire a lot, so there's always a smell of smoke in the air, and there's dirt roads everywhere, or sand blowing down from the Sahara Desert, and all this stuff, and so it's just it's a different smell. Here, it's, I don't know. I don't smell anything when I go outside, unless the wind's blowing the cows over but I remember stepping off that plane, and if you've ever traveled or you've been to the big fancy airports, you rock, walk off the plane through a, a tunnel into the airport, but not there. You come off the plane down the steps, and then you're in the middle of the, the tarmac. And you had to make your way to the airport. I think there was a shuttle, if I remember right. But we stepped off the plane with three little kids in our white skin glowing in the dark. And the warm breeze blowing, and I'm from St. John, I've never, warm breezes aren't a thing. <laughs> this is cold. And I remember thinking, what are we doing here? Am I crazy? Why did I do this? <laughs> What's going on? And there's this moment when you need to decide, am I a servant or not? Am I going to let his will happen to me? Or am I not? The same thing happened when we loaded up the U-Haul and made our way toward the Digby Ferry. I was like, what am I even doing? I don't know how to do anything. I still don't, but I don't know. And there's the same thing when we step out in, in prayer or worship or we step out in faith to do anything. There's this moment where you're like, I don't, what am I doing here? And we need to decide, am I going to let his will be done to me? Am I going to keep going? Am I going to let it be, or am I going to maybe not? And Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, we read Matthew 6 and 10, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is something Jesus said we're supposed to pray regularly. Let your will be done. As a servant, what is your will today? Lord, what is your plan today, Lord? What are we, 
What are we doing today? God, your will be done. Your kingdom, not mine. You are the master. You are the Lord. I'm the servant. Be it unto me whatever you want to do. And we can get caught up in the moments when God is speaking and calling and we'll say, yes, I'll do it. I'm here. Let's go. Let's go. But when it's time to book the plane tickets or when it's time to step out or it's time to actually talk to that person. Talk to people. Gross. <laughs> I'll do it. When push comes to shove, we have a tendency to sometimes back down. And this is where the called are separated from the chosen. If you think of the story of Samuel as a little a young, bo young boy, it's the same kind of prayer he prays. God calls him four times before he figures it out. It was God and the old priest, Eli, who's been training and caring for Samuel. He's been raising Samuel because his mother decided to de or dedicated him to the temple and gave him back to God. So this guy, Eli, has been raising him. And, and Eli's like, oh, it must be God calling me because it's not me. Leave me alone, boy. I'm trying to sleep. He says, what do you Next time he does it, say this thing. And so Samuel 3 and 10, the Lord came and stood and called his other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak for thy servant heareth. He said, I'm your servant. And God gave him a word. And basically what the word was, there's going to be judgment for Eli. That's awkward. The man who was like a father to Samuel. And now he has, like, a, as a kid, has to go tell the guy who's taking care of him, the priest, that God's going to judge him. <sighs> That's not good. He could be punished. He could be kicked out. I don't know. Anything could happen. But that's what, when he said, I'm your servant, this is what, being a servant is not always comfortable. You can... And you will be asked to do things you don't want to do. You'll be asked to step out of your comfort zone. This, why is an extremely introverted person up here week after week preaching? I don't know. But here we are. This is how it works. Servants just do and let it happen. Mary said, be it unto me. We need to let his will be accomplished. It's one thing to say, I'm your servant. It's another to let it happen. Mary was going to have to be pregnant. You know how this works. This is going to have to, she was going to have to risk, she was going to have to risk everything, her future, her reputation, but she did, she let it happen. And the third thing is, she said, according to that word, she trusted the word. And there will be times as a servant, there will be times as someone who is living, submitted to Jesus, where all we have to hold on to is the word of God. And there are times when all we have are those promises that he's given us, that calling that he's placed in us. While Mary was struggling with morning sickness, while she was wondering what Joseph was going to do, while they were walking 150 kilometers to Bethlehem, while they were struggling to find a place to stay, while she was raising the Son of God, while she was standing by the cross and her firstborn was bleeding and dying and the crowd he was dying for mocked and laughed, at him. She had to hold on to that. When you step off a plane in a foreign country or you step behind a pulpit or you sing that special or you open that Bible to teach someone or you stand up in front of those kids in Sunday school, when you pray for your family, when you intercede for that need, when you feel like you're alone, when you're questioning everything, trust the word. Hold on 
to the word. If he said it, he's going to do it. And when we put our trust in a, a lot of things, money, people, institutions, governments, political parties, this guy's going to, this one's going to be different. Doctors, the courts, family, leaders, ourselves, but all of these things can and will fail us. And the new international version, it says, Gabriel tells Mary, for no word from God will ever fail. If God's called you, he can do the work. If God said it, he will do it. And so submitting involves trusting the word of God and holding on to that. When everything is falling down around us, hold on to the word. His word says you're called. His word says you're delivered and healed and redeemed and restored and set free. His word says he wants to use you and he wants to work through you. So hold on to his word. So we're going to, this morning, we're going to pray a prayer of submission. Not yet. I'm going to tell you a couple more things. I'm getting longer in my old age. We're going to submit as a servant. We're going to let him work. Let it happen. Trust the word. What happens when we do that? What happens to Mary as a result of praying these types of prayers? The first thing, God protects Mary. When you hear people preach about Mary in this, this story, the one thing they always bring up is Joseph and Mary not being married and the potential shame that would be brought on her from society. Mary never mentions that, but that's something that we kind of put on the story. And don't, don't misunderstand me. Mary hasn't done anything wrong. There's no need for her to be ashamed. But as we know, people can be people. And they can not be nice sometimes. And honestly, who's going to believe a, a young girl that says, oh, it was God? Not many people. But when Mary submitted herself to the will of God and prayed this prayer, God covered her. What happens right after this? Joseph's wondering if he should divorce Mary quietly or put her away quietly. But what does God do? He shows up, he sends an angel to Joseph in a dream and tells him to marry Mary almost instantly. And then he has them move away and have the baby born elsewhere where no one would know them. And then they go to Egypt and they come back. And you know, you know how when people get married and a baby comes rather quickly? People start doing the math. kind of takes that part out for them. If you look at it, in the middle of all these prophecies being fulfilled and all this stuff going on, God has his hand on Mary and he's protecting her from the scorn and the judgment of the sour old gossips. When we submit to the will and plan of God, there's always some risk. There's always something that could go wrong. There's always something that we're concerned about about or worried about, but God takes care of that and he protects us and he shelters us. And there's precedent for that all throughout the Bible. God making a way, Gideon and his little army 
shouldn't have happened, but God, where Joshua and, and, and Jericho, David and Goliath, Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, a furnace, the disciples in the storm, Paul and Silas in prison, and Peter in prison. These are people that were submitted completely to the will of God in impossible situations that God protects and brings them through it. God leads them through impossible situations. And when we went to Benin again, our biggest concern was money. I worked at McDonald's, and I don't know if you realize this, but you don't get paid a lot. Enough to just take big trips. We had a budget of 15000 Half of that was airfare, which you needed. You couldn't, you couldn't just come in later. I didn't have that. That was our biggest concern, but God provided that pretty quickly. We were approved in January. We left in June. I don't know. I still don't even know. Did some fundraisers and things, but fundraisers, you can only raise the funds that are given. And God came through and provided and it still amazes me. And our other concern was how our kids are going to travel. And to be honest, they did better than we did. I think we complained more. <laughs> and they loved it. And they were fine. It was great. And when we are submitted, He will protect and He will lead us. And those concerns, He'll take care of it. The second thing, He used her to bring Jesus to the world, literally. This one's obvious. Mary brought Jesus to the world. And while we can't bring Jesus to the world the same way, when we live a submitted life to Him, when we pray these pray these types of prayers on a regular basis, we will be used to bring Jesus to our world, to our friends, our neighbors, our family, foreign countries, new cities and towns. When we live submitted, we are bringing Jesus to our world. The last thing is any concern she had to return to praise. Mary goes and sees Elizabeth and everything's confirmed. We've talked about her song before. She breaks out in praise. And being or A submitted life is also a life of praise. You can't truthfully and lovingly serve without praising the Master. So when we live a life like this and we pray this prayer and we live this prayer, these things will happen. He'll take care of it. He'll use us to show Jesus to the world, bring Jesus to the world, and we have no choice but to praise and worship. So we're going to, my wife sings, we're going to take some time, we're going to pray. If God's been working on your heart, dealing with you, leading you someplace, like we've talked about, let's pray this prayer. Even if he hasn't, let's pray. Say, God, I'm going to submit to you, and do it, and stay there. Let it be. Let him work. And trust his word. So we're going to do that. If you want to come to the altar, if you can keep your, your distance, you can, you can pray your seat, whatever you want. Pray as a family. Let's just take some time together. Let's pray this prayer. God wants to use us when he can until we're submitted and allow him to do it. Until we let him, we become the servants. So let's take some time this morning. Let's pray. Like Mary prayed. Jesus.